welcome to the No IT Podcast, Episode 3, Out of Office, the place where you get to know IT so you can own IT. You know, today's episode, we're, we're talking about the new shift in work from home cultures, right? Remote workers is a thing of the, of the times with the socially distanced world that we live in. It's not something that's going to go away. The main driver behind that, in my opinion, is the fact that one, employees want to be out of the office. They feel more creative when they are not in the confines or the little box of the office, be that a cubicle or in some cases an actual office with a door. Either way, it can be stifling for creativity, which is why there's this remote work culture that is ultimately going to continue far beyond the pandemic that we are in now. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to talk about the challenges and the things you need to watch out for when you're managing a remote workforce. I'm also going to give you guys some tips on how to be effective within your own jobs and your own positions working remotely. Because some of the struggle is, is that you can't read the vibe of the office. You know, you don't know if your manager has showed up to work and he's just been in a mood all day. So unless you're on top of the ball, they could call you at any second. You need to be able to be accountable to the tasks that you've completed for the day and the projects that you've moved forward. So I'm going to give you guys some strategies on that. Um, but first, I want to thank BTI Communications Group. It's a tremendous company that gives their employees a, tr- a lot of freedom to do their jobs and do them well. They've had remote workers for years and years now, and is it's an environment where everybody is held accountable to to their specific jobs and what they are specifically responsible for within each project. And managerially, the way that we stay so effective and the way that we continue to grow while having so many people not working in an office is the fact that we allow people to do their jobs. We trust that they're going to do it, but we also hold them accountable to those jobs. So an example of that is every morning we have a meeting. We call it a morning muster where everybody gets on the phone and they rattle off, you know, what they need to get done for the day so that everybody is on the same page. Everybody kind of knows who's working on what and where projects are at. And if there's any sort of collaboration or details that need to be ironed out, then everybody's on the same page on where they're at. And they can do that. Um, it, it is a big driver in keeping everybody in the loop and collaborative on, you know, being efficient with projects and designs and things. So with that, enjoy the episode. First, I want to give a shout out to BTI. BTI Communications Group is celebrating 35 years in business. And you don't, you're not around for that long. The odds are stacked so hard against you. The only way that you can do that is if you deliver the foremost level of technical quality that can be delivered. In all systems targeting your network, be that your physical network infrastructure itself or your cybersecurity active monitoring and remediation or the physical security of your buildings and systems be that access control, alarm systems, or cameras. The skills that BTI possesses allows it to move beyond the scope of a traditional uh, security vendor in that they specialize in integration of all systems. So if you're thinking about doing a project that involves anything within your network, 
give BTI a call. Go to btigroup.com, click the banner in the top of the homepage, and schedule your free network assessment today. So, you know, one of the things that we talked about last week was the fact that Iran had attempted to hack the Israeli water supply. And, you know, it was one of the first occurrences of a cyber attack affecting or, or attempting to create a real world result in the physical universe, right? And these are things that are going to continue to happen. And, you know, I didn't really anticipate it, it happening this quickly, but this week, the, the Iranian Greek government is accusing Israel of a cyber attack that blew up and set fire to its nuclear enrichment facilities. So these are the places that charge up the uranium and develop the nuclear technology. And Israel basically hacked the, the nuclear enrichment facility and caused some explosions and extensive fire damage to like the cr- critical production areas where they actually make the advanced centrifuges to used to enrich the uranium. Um, you know, the ret- it, it, it's considered a retaliation for the attempted hack of the Israel water supply or Israeli water supply. Um, and the exact cause and systems that were hacked will be revealed shortly, but, you know, reports are that Iran's nuclear enrichment program has been taken offline for at least two months. And Iran needs to assess and fix the damaged facilities. So, that's going to take a good amount of time to, to handle that. Um, the thing is, though, is that Iran hasn't provided any evidence backing the claims, right? But indicate they will in the very near future. So Israel's kind of playing coy. And Benny Gantz, who is the Israeli defense minister, he released a statement on Israeli radio. And he said, not every incident in Iran is not necessarily, air quotes, connected to us. All those systems are complex. They have a very high safety constraints, and I'm not sure the Iranians always know how to maintain them, end quote. So he's basically saying that Iran is is in over its head, and they don't have the technical knowledge to maintain such facilities, and is saying that, you know, we didn't necessarily do this. Attacks on critical infrastructure are not new. What is new are the effects that are now seen in the physical universe. With explosions, fires, contaminations, and, and things of the like, it's just the beginning of such incidences, and it's going to be big news stories going forward. So with that, LG, the latest victim of Maze ransomware, all ransomware is relatively similar, but what makes Maze ransomware different is that it encrypts and pulls company data off of corporate servers, and then they move the data to servers controlled by the hackers. Typically, a solid response and a best practice is to take backups of your system. That way, at any time, if something like this happens, you're able to restore it back to its last known status. The problem with this is that restoring from the latest backup isn't enough to stop it, because oftentimes with the maze ransomware, the backups themselves are infected and encrypted. So what ends up happening is, is that the hackers demand cryptocurrency to release data if it's not paid in full, but that doesn't change the fact that they have a copy of all the data of the infected devices. So it'll go from one device to another, kind of making its way through the system as it can find a path, right? Hence the name Maze. It literally does a labyrinth through the system until it infects all devices. It took down LG's internal network systems and affected their production facilities and workstations across the LG network. Basically, they showed up to work and nobody was able to do anything. It took down their emails, it took down their their production, took down everything. 
and it was a complete disaster for them. They're assessing the damage, but in the proof of the hack that was released by the maze operators, it displayed a file containing the source code for LG Electronics products. So that's basically like their biggest piece of proprietary information. So if you think about it, right, a company like Coca-Cola or Pepsi or whatever, they all keep their recipes super, super secure because that is their main piece of intellectual property that allows them to do what they do different, right? They're different blends, they're different, they're different recipes, they're different flavors, whatever. So that's like taking Coca-Cola's formula and you're not going to get it unless you pay us this cryptocurrency. And even though you have, we have it, we're still not going to give you all, all copies of the file back. So you just lost everything, everything that makes your company a company. It's going to be a big problem. And, you know, once you have the source code, there's a lot of other havoc that can be wreaked on all sorts of LG devices. So pay attention to this one. This is going to develop more as time goes on. Another thing that's happening in the socially distanced world is a lot of e-commerce is going on and, you know, people aren't leaving their houses. So they're doing most of their shopping on places like Amazon or whatever website that they find the best deal. The issue that is developing now is that hackers are hiding credit card copiers basically within the metadata of the image files on the website. Let's say you want to buy a basketball and within the picture of the basketball that you're buying is going to be a source code or a code that is going to skim the credit card information that you insert to pay for that item. It's basically going to log every piece of that data, and then it's going to send it to the hacker's system. And once the file is uploaded to the site, any credit card information entered as payment is automatically duplicated and stored on the hacker's computer. So this is something I'm going to expand on in more detail in a future episode because it's going to be an ongoing problem. And as more and more companies do e-commerce as a way of business, it's just going to become a bigger and bigger issue. So I think we can dedicate a full full-length episode to that. And finally, the U.S.-based healthcare provider, American Medical Technologies, or AMT, they had a data breach that exposed the health data of over 50,000 patients. What AMT does is they provide long-term care programs for seniors. It's a pretty big company here within the United States. What happened was the network admins noticed the, some, some suspicious activity coming from an employee's email account. They ended up hiring a third-party forensics team to verify the breach had actually occurred. So they noticed something was off. They looked into it and they said, yeah, this is definitely off, but I need somebody to confirm it. So they hired him and ultimately it was confirmed that they had leaked a bunch of patient data. So things like social security numbers, medical record numbers, diagnosis info, Insurance policies, medical history, HIPAA account info, driver's license and ID numbers are all released. Another failure of, of the privatized medical industry here in the United States. And with that, let's, uh, let's move into our main topic of the day. To not allow yourself to fall victim to one of these cyber attacks, right? Secure your data. Reach out to BTI Communications Group, whose first and primary goal is to deliver the foremost level of technical quality within the cyber and physical security industry. There's nobody better equipped or prepared to help or advise you or implement a project that affects any device on your network. So do us a favor and go to btigroup.com, click a banner in the top of the homepage, and schedule your free network assessment today. The other topics for the third episode, it just seemed natural to talk about the obstacles and considerations 
and steps that need to be taken to develop a work-from-home culture. The rise in the number of cyber attacks this year directly correlates to two things. One is the upcoming U.S. presidential elections, and two, the stay-at-home orders many countries and many states, in our case, have instituted. Yes, this has been going on for nearly five months now, so I'm not going to tell you any more about that nightmare. You don't want to hear it, and I don't want to talk about it, so I'll spare you guys the speech. But the stay-at-home culture is going to continue long after the pandemic has ended. The reason it will continue is a mix of the technology to make it effective and the desire of the younger generation to get out of the office. By the way, I'm one of them. I feel a hundred times more creative out of the office than I do at my desk. Luckily for me, BTI has countless remote employees and is equipped managerially to track work completed and use the technology available to secure it. So you have employees that are happier, more creative, and feel a sense of trust within the company as well as the freedom to get their job done. But I also think that we can all agree that the experience of team Zoom calls doesn't quite cut it. So how do you pivot to a remote culture and make sure that your team remains connected while also keeping your data secure? When you're in the office, typically you're behind a firewall. For those unfamiliar or unsure what a firewall is, it's like the front door to your house. When you click on a search on Google or you go to a website, the firewall or front door opens and allows the data in and displays the results on your screen. Imagine walking out your front door to grab your Postmates order and then you bring it inside to eat. As long as the door is locked behind you and the food is from Postmates, you're free to consume your meal, right? This is essentially the function of a firewall. Now, a thief can come and pick your lock or kick the door down. But if there isn't an alarm system notifying you that the door got kicked in, you can come home and the place is ransacked and your valuables are gone. So with that example in mind, as soon as you leave the office and connect to public Wi-Fi, say at like a Starbucks, you're exposing your device IP address to any hacker who might be sitting on that public network. And the trick to making the shift is to have the device protections and monitoring agents on the laptops and phones themselves to alert your IT team that the device has been compromised or updates failed to install or you know something happened that shouldn't be happening. But at the same time, you need to establish a, a secure tunnel back to your servers in the office. If those two things are in place, your team can work from pretty much anywhere in the world and your data will be secured. It doesn't matter if they like working at a Starbucks in Paris or a beach in Santa Monica. It's as if they are working directly in the office, you know, sans the random background noise on a phone call that may give away the illusion. But primarily, working remote gives your team a tremendous advantage with the ability to respond immediately rather than waiting to drive back to the office. So if I'm, if I'm out and I get an email or I get a phone call and I'm in, say, Irvine, I need to be able to respond because sometimes it could take an hour and a half to two hours to get back to the office from there. And by then, you've lost or a quarter of your day. It comes to the point where you can only get so much done and you can only be so effective working that way. Being able to pull over and, and you know, address what needs to be addressed and move on is a big deal to keep you successful. It's incredibly easy to deploy. All your IT team would need to do is push out the monitoring agents, set up VPN access for every employee. And assuming that you have an active directory, it's as simple as sending the user credentials to your employees and saying use the same credentials to access the network that you use on your on your device. At BTI, we use something called the Continuum RMM agent. It gives our IT department oversight of like all the activity that's happening on the network from one centralized place. 
and it gives them the ability to control every user's access. They have a log of all of the network activity, such as who connected to the web network, what or what they accessed within it, and what time they connected. So it's a better and more secure way to manage your IT security business-wise rather than relying on personal user accounts. Like if I opened a personal LogMeIn account to remote back into my computer at, at the office, right? That's going to be far less secure than my IT team managing and putting into, into practice the proper cybersecurity steps and policies. But the key here is giving your IT team oversight of all network activity. So when you pair the RMM agent with an active cybersecurity alert system, and it's backed up by a secured operations center or a SOC that is responsible for responding to any sort of cyber attack, you really truly have a bulletproof network and you have the freedom to work from anywhere. Fact is, is that we spend a tremendous amount of time and money sitting in the office and sitting in traffic, going meeting to meeting and rushing back to the office before the end of the day to get everything done paperwork wise. Effective business culture in 2020 would be to keep yourself out in the field, researching or visiting potential clients in the area surrounding your meetings. Speaking from personal experience, when I have three meetings in the same area, say within 10 miles of each other, I'll sit in my car or I'll pull into a Starbucks and pull out my computer to work. And I'll connect to the VPN as if I'm in the office. You can call my desk phone and it rings my cell. And you're none the wiser of whether I'm in the office or at the Starbucks. And it's not a revolutionary concept. You'll see that the same phenomenon walking into any Starbucks in the world, people sipping coffee on the phone or pecking away at their keyboards in a world that moves incredibly quick when answers are needed right this second, you have to be on and you have to be able to deliver every second of every day if you want to stay successful. Otherwise, your customers are going to go find the answer elsewhere. And all it takes is one, I don't know, for them to find somebody else and have them in their ear. Yes, the protections are easy to set up and manage. However, what, what happens to the human element of your business? When employees are not physically present, how do you manage the person on the other end of the device? The answer is strong leadership, ownership, and accountability of each team member and manager. Staying organized and keeping a list of daily activities or tasks accomplished and reporting completed tasks to management, whether they ask for it or not, is gonna show them that you're actively pursuing the desired outcome of your job and you're actively working. Now, things like having team calls every morning, no longer than five minutes where everybody kind of rattles off things to that they are gonna accomplish each day, keeps your team engaged and in the loop in what everybody around them is doing. And if you give them collaboration tools like Microsoft 365, like the, like the Teams application. It'll also allow them to work on projects simultaneously and further drive team engagement without physically having to be anywhere. The key here is trust, not blind trust. You still want to keep track of completed tasks or projects, but trust that your employees are doing your job without you needing to breathe down their necks, calling to check in every, every 10 minutes. That single action of micromanaging employees indicates an issue with you as a manager it exposes your insecurities and distrust of, the, of your team. And if they see you sweat or nervous, they too will become nervous and start to sweat. If they know you don't trust them, they won't trust you either. People naturally want to do a good job and be successful. As a manager, in my opinion, my job is to give my team the tools they need to be successful and get the hell out of the way. 
However, employees themselves bear responsibilities to the organization in making the culture shift effective. And with all that said, I want to give you guys some tips that work for me and my team making remote work effective. And before I dive into that, I want to mention that one of the struggles an employee faces when working remote is the surprise factor. Right? I talked a little bit about that earlier. And what I mean in that is that when you are working out of the office, there's no way to brace or prepare yourself for when the boss decides to check in on you. So if you as an employee or team member are not prepared to be accountable or give the appearance that you've been slacking off, it's the single fastest way to lose the trust of your manager. They will begin to question everything, rightfully so, because they have a business and a department to run. You've just given them a valid excuse to look over your shoulder and micromanage all aspects of the job. And that's not comfortable. It's not comfortable for you or it's not comfortable for your manager. So stay on track and keep focused on the tasks at hand. Knock them out one by one with consistency. And you're going to end up finding that you're going to have a very, very nice remote work experience, both as a manager and as an employee. So now I'm going to give you guys five things that I think are going to help you be effective working from home. The first is you need to establish a morning routine similar to the routine that you that you fall into when you are heading to the office, right? You get dressed for work. Maybe you have a cup of coffee and you, you have some breakfast and you, you take off for the day, right? In this case, when you take off for the day, you're walking down the hallway to your, to your office or you're walking from the kitchen to your kitchen table. But the morning routine is going to be super important in getting you into the mindset of work. That can be super hard to do if you're working from home and you have all these distractions. So the second thing that I, I highly recommend is you got to keep a clean and organized workspace free of distractions and clutter. A cluttered office is a cluttered mind. A cluttered mind is an unsuccessful mind. By keeping things in line and keeping things in your physical space organized, it's also going to help you keep yourself organized work-wise. Keep yourself organized in the tasks and, and the progress and things that you have to make day to day to keep your job and be successful, which kind of leads me into my third recommendation for you. And that's make a list of tasks that you need to complete every day. Your task list needs to be longer than, than you're likely able to complete. There should be a couple of things left over, a couple of small things, because if you're killing it every day and you're, you're completing every task, then you can push harder. And what you do with any of the leftover tasks, which is fine, things happen and you don't always get to everything. But any leftover tasks at the end of the day need to go to the top of the list the next day and become high priority items of the next day's list of tasks. So you got to handle those things first in the morning and then move on to the list of new tasks for that day, right? You don't want to leave any loose ends. You got to tie them all up dot all the I's, cross all the T's. What you do with your list is you list the tasks in the order of priority, right? Completing high priority tasks first at the beginning of the day, just to get them out of the way. Your mind is clearer early on in the day. You have the most energy early on in the day. So you put the tasks that have the most importance and the highest level of difficulty towards the beginning of the day. You don't allow distractions or tasks dropped in your lap by coworkers to deviate from the list you've already prioritized, right? If it's something quick, like if it's forward me this, forward me that email that I don't have, or have a quick conversation with me about this because I have questions, 
that's fine. But if it's going to be a labor intensive task that is going to take you more than 10 minutes, you need to put that on the list and you need to tell them that, Hey, I've got, I've got X, Y, Z thing that I need to do. Is this something that needs to be done right now? Otherwise I'm going to put it at the end of my list and get it done as soon as possible. So if you must deviate from your established list, shift all focus into completing the new task until it's either finished, quick email, text, or phone call, and get back to your list because you are responsible for your job. And at the end of every day, send the list of tasks completed or not to your manager. And they shouldn't have to ask you for this. This isn't something that they need to keep seeking out and saying, hey, what'd you do today? You got to be proactive and do what you can to keep your manager in the loop. That way they're off your back. If they're in the loop, they're running with you. If they're not in the loop, they're riding you. It's that simple. But at the same time, one of the most frustrating things a manager can encounter from, from a team member is a team member that sandbags. Don't sandbag your list. And what is sandbagging? Sandbagging is where you stretch a task that should be completed within a reasonable amount of time and you stretch it way longer than it needs to be just to create the illusion that you're working long, hard hours or just to show that you're busy, right? Get the task done. Get it done as quickly and efficiently as possible. And approaching this day will allow you the freedom to invest energy into other things that will help you improve your overall job. A training course or research that grows you know, your knowledge in the field and in the job that you're operating. Because any career, you get out of it what you put into it. If you want to stay the same, you can work a regular eight-hour day, or you can do, you know, the bare minimum of what's asked for you, or you can learn and get better at your job and develop more skills and invest in yourself rather than investing in the stock market or another company. My parents always told me growing up, invest in yourself. And I never understood what that meant until I became a man. What that means is, is that you prioritize self-improvement of any area of your life. So it can be something as simple as, as you know, a DIY project that you need to do around the house on YouTube. Or it could be something like paying for a sales training program that's going to teach you how to more effective negotiate, right? These are all things that your boss doesn't have to ask you to do or shouldn't have to ask you to do. These are all things that you should be motivated to do so that you can grow your own income and you can be more successful and continue moving up within your company or within your industry. And so when you set yourself up for success working remote, there's no better way to get the most out of your team, right? The freedom to create and the freedom to prioritize and execute within the overall vision and purpose of the business will heed tremendous results. Embrace the shift. Allow some leeway for mistakes and hiccups as you guys are making the transition and check back in a month or two and you'll be happy and amazed with the results. Thank you for listening. And remember, you're here to get to know IT so you can own IT. If you're questioning or trying to figure out how you're going to address this new work from home culture, this remote work, socially distanced world that we will continue to develop into, do yourselves a favor and reach out to somebody who has more experience in this specific space 
than many companies I know. For 35 years, BTI Communications Group has the first and primary goal of delivering the foremost level and technical quality that can be delivered. The entire time they've been doing it with a remote work culture. But we have countless people who have and do work remote for us. So if you are looking for any advice, products, or any sort of which way thinking about it, reach out to us today. Go to btigroup.com, click the banner in the top of the homepage, and schedule your free network assessment today. Take care.